Hello and welcome to the 10 to Track, our weekly world match previews podcast, episode 32, where we're going to be talking about matches uh, spanning from Friday the 7th of May through Thursday the 13th. I am your host, Soccer Noob. Hey, I've only been following soccer for a few years, so that's my name. It's not going to stop me from having a podcast because I'd like to invite you to join me on my learning journey where I'm learning about the sport. And whether you're uh, new like I am or even if you're a veteran fan, there's going to be lots of reasons to listen. We look at the most important matches every week in the entire world as we define them here at Team Noob. Now, this is uh, usually going to be first versus second place matches uh, from the top leagues anywhere in the world. And by the top leagues, I mean the highest league in any given country. We will go to any country, any federation in the world to find those matches that mean the most where they're being played. Uh, We're also going to cover big FA Cup matches, international tournament matches. We'll hit the most famous teams and leagues in the world, but even you veteran fans are going to have something to listen for as we go to those far-flung corners of the footy world. Joining me as always is my co-host, nine-year-old daughter, Person Noob. Hello! Daughter, dearest, start the countdown for the fine peoples, would you? March number one! As always, we keep things chronologically oriented here. Match number one is a Friday match from the Saudi Arabian Professional League, the top flight there. This is the number four ranked league in the AFC and being one of the big six leagues, that means that the top teams are a pretty big deal from there. Your Champions League winner, for example, is almost always going to come from one of those top six. There's a real gap after that. In any case, uh, top two finishers are going to go to the next Champions League group stage and then the third place finisher will get to start in the playoff round of uh, the Champions League, which is the round right before the group stage. And there are just five matches left in the season, which makes this a great one because number B, Al-Shabaab, and number one, Al-Halal, are tied on points in the table. Uh, Al-Halal lead by just four on goal differential. Uh, They in turn lead Al-Idihad by two, and then Al-Tawuner in fourth place, uh, seven points uh, back of the two leaders. These two, of course, did play earlier this season at Al-Halal, and the match there went to a 1-1 draw little bit about each, Al-Shabaab, which translates to the youth, so sort of their Juventus. Nevertheless, their nickname is more formally the White Lion. Seems like every soccer club is a lion. I'm going to start rooting against non-lion teams, I think. <laughs> In any case, they play out of Riyadh, the capital. And interesting history between these two, because many decades ago, it happened to be that there was a fighting within the early leadership of the Shabab club and some of the leadership left, took the best players with them and formed all Hilal. So I have a feeling uh, that this derby has always had a little bit more spice than some others in the world may have. Uh, Shabab has uh, appeared to kind of have the title in hand, it looked like, but then they went on a three-match winless skid. They did just come back off that. They uh, beat number 13, Al-Bateen, to uh, get off the schneid, so to speak. Uh, Uh, One source that I looked at indicates that I can't do any worse than third place at this point, but I think Altoon is close enough that nothing is at least guaranteed yet. Uh, This team has nine Champions League appearances to their credit historically. Uh, Most recently, they participated in 2015. 
2010, they made the semifinals. I think that's the only time they've made it that far, and that was their best finish. Uh, they've won six different league titles, but it's been nearly a decade since they've hoisted that particular trophy. Last year, they only finished in seventh place. This is quite a bounce back for them. It's been largely uh, on the feet of their offense. They are number one in the league, and I believe the only club scoring more than two goals per match on average. Uh, defense suffers a little bit for it, but it's still top four. Uh, key men to look at for this one, tied for number three in league scoring. Christian Guanca from Argentina, uh, usually left midfielder, might see him at forward sometimes. Uh, he spent part of the 2017 season with Turkey in Kashimpasa. I always like to look for those European connections when I can, but uh, he didn't have much more than a cup of coffee there. And then tied for number two in assists is Aver Banega, who uh, La Liga fans will be much more familiar with because he's played for at least three clubs over there, I think, in the heart of his European career. He was with Valencia from 2008 to 2014. Meanwhile, we've got Al Halal, which translates to Crescent Moon which I had not known previously, even though Al-Halal is a fairly common name. Uh, they also play out of the capital city of Riyadh, and the IFFHS named them the best Asian club of the entire 20th century. These are your favorites, including this year. Three Champions League titles to their credit. In fact, they won it just two years ago. They've taken the league title 16 times, and they are the defending champions. Uh, they're still alive in the uh, current going AFC Champions League. Uh, they only finished in second place in their group, but because they were one of the three best group second place finishers, they got to advance to the round of 16, and they are going to be uh, facing Estaglal, an ex excellent club out of Iran. Uh, they haven't been super strong formed lately either. They've lost two of their last three. But that said, you're talking about Champions League comp level competition. They haven't played a league, league match in something like three weeks. Second best offense, number one defense, number one league score. I've talked about him on previous broadcasts. Uh, Bafatimbi Gomis. He's a veteran 35-year-old, a forward striker, uh, Premier League fans. Yes, uh, he was with Swansea City from 2014-16. And if you like your football French, he was with Lyon from 2009 through 2014. And then uh, tied for second place in assists in the league, Abdullah Alhamdan. Interestingly, he came over from Shabab just a few weeks ago in February. Uh, for a 3 million Saudi riyads on a five-year deal. That's about $800,000 American. And they also boast the number three goalkeeper in the league, 34-year-old Abdullah Al-Mayouf, who, very interestingly to me, has spent his entire career not only in Saudi Arabia, but with this exact club. Match number B. That's right, person noob. Number two is just bathroom talk. This is match number B, changing counting systems Everywhere, hopefully, one podcast episode at a time. Viva la revolution, viva la number B. We're headed to Spain for our second match, the Primera Liga, La Liga, as it is affectionately known. And uh, this mini preview is going to be a little bit more geared toward uh, more noob fans like me, if you will. Some real basic information here. Now, uh, as of early May, this is uh, now the number two rated league in all of Spain. Uh, they were just passed by England. They have been number one. Uh, let's see. This is going to be a really interesting matchup. It's number three, Barcelona in the table, taking on number one, Atletico Madrid. Really great week for La Liga because uh, second place, Real Madrid, and number four, Sevilla, are also going to be playing this week. At the time that I scouted the game, this may be changing between then and by the time you hear this, but... Atletico Madrid, 76 points in the table. Real Madrid, 74. 
Barcelona 74, Sevilla 70. It's going to be a race for the ages. You can catch the game Saturday morning, uh, East Coast time in the U.S. at 10.15 on BN Sports if your cable or satellite package runs deep enough. Uh, this is known as El Otro Clasico, the other Clasico, Barcelona and Atletico Madrid. And uh, let's see, Barcelona won the first game 2-1 to one between these two earlier in the season. Uh, Barcelona, they're from the region of Spain of Catalonia, which is a very proud and largely autonomous region. So one of their club slogans is more than a club, very culturally important there. And I like this club in particular because they're one of the ones in the world that is owned by their supporters. Love them when that happens. Same reason I'm a big fan of more or less the entire uh, German Bundesliga. Uh, this club is ranked second best of all clubs in all of Europe by UEFA. They have won three FIFA Club World Cup titles. Uh, most recently in 2015, they were named world champions. Five times they won the UEFA Champions League. Four of those titles came in this century. But it's been a few years, 2014-15 was the last one uh 26 league titles just astounding and 10 of them within the last 20 years they last won it in the 2018-19 season looking to get back on top they're in fine form they have won four of their last five the offense is simply out of this world they average over three goals per game and they have the best goal differential in the entire league uh number one league score and he's tied for number three on assists which is not necessarily what i would have guessed on the latter part but of uh, the infamous Lionel Messi. And he has spent his entire career here with Barcelona, been there since 2004. And we have a USA connection, 20-year-old uh, Dutch-born uh, fullback, so a defender, Serginho Dest is with this team and starting to get more and more playing time. Meanwhile, Atletico Madrid. Uh, this is very much one of your big working class clubs of the entire world. Uh, during the Franco area in Spain, they did sort of have more of the blessing of the government than they usually get. But by and large, a working class club. They're uh, ranked as being tied for fourth best in all of Europe by UEFA. They have never won the Champions League, but they finished runner-up three different times. 2015-16 uh, was the last one. Uh, ten league titles historically, but only one of them this century, and that was in 2013-14. Uh, they are in fine form as well, having won three of their last four. Statistically, they are outstanding. Second best offense, very best defense. Uh, number two on goal differential. Uh, number four league leading scorer is one of the more famous football players of modern history, Luis Suarez from Uruguay. Striker, 34 years old, very much the Mike Tyson of the fo footy world, if you will. He is infamous for having bitten opponents three different times. Somebody get the man a therapist. Uh, he was, uh, interestingly, with uh, their opponents today, Barcelona, from 2014 until last season. Uh, tied for second best on assists is uh, Marco Llorente, a midfielder, 26 years old. And the number one goalkeeper for that number one defense is, uh, I can't remember if he's from Slovenia or Slovakia. I think the former. But in any case, it's Jan Oblak, and he has been with this club a long time, since 2014. Match number three. This is another Saturday match, and it's one of only two FA Cup matches that we're going to be covering this episode. Now, that's noteworthy because there are a ton of FA Cup final matches this week. 
I want to cover all of them. There's also a lot of big semifinal matches. I would love to look at some of those, but we try to keep this to something like an hour. And, of course, 10 matches, although 13 with the bonus matches, because we don't totally believe in math here. In any case, I've chosen to focus on league play versus FA Cup play for the most part, since in particular in Europe, the seasons are coming to an end and Champions League berths are at stake in those domestic leagues. Now, usually the winners of, a, of FA Cups, they only get automatic berths into secondary international tournaments, like in Europe, the Europa League, where they may even only get to go to the tertiary uh, new Europa Conference League. Uh, in Africa, the winner uh, gets an automatic berth into uh, their Confederation Cup, which is their secondary one instead of the Champions League. But this one is special because neither of these teams from this particular country's top flight domestic league are going anywhere but down. They're both very much at the bottom of the standings, yet one of them will get to play internationally. The match itself, let's get into it. We're headed to South Africa for their FA Cup final. This is the num- Both of these teams are out of the number six league there in Africa. Uh, winner's going to get about uh, 7 million rand, or about a half a million dollars in American as it's converted, I think. And again, they'll get a Confederation Cup berth for their trouble. This is going to be played in a neutral site, the city of uh, Bloemfontein. Uh, usually the format of this tournament uh, they've got all of the 16 Premier League teams playing and then the top half from the year before from the second division and then uh, eight teams that have qualified uh, through various amateur paths. This year, amateur football has been completely suspended in South Africa. Thank you so much for that COVID boo. So this year, it's all 16 teams from each of the top two leagues. There won't be any amateur ones. Your matchup, looking to raise that trophy and somehow get to Europe, are TTM. They are listed as the host team officially, and they are taking on Chippa United. Should be a good one. Both games in their uh, Premier League season domestically there went to draws, 2-2 and 1-1. Let's learn something about each TTM. I'm going to take a crack at the full name. Uh, Shakuma Cha Madzivandila, I'll let you Google it up. Oh, and FC on the end. Uh, They play out of a town in the province of Limpopo called Thohoyando. It is in the northwest part of the country, city of about 70,000. They don't have a whole lot of history there. This doesn't just happen in Europe. They've been trying to buy their way to the top, and so far they've done it. In 2017, the ownership for this group bought the the Division II license for a club called Milano FC. And then last year, they went ahead and bought the Premier League license of a long-standing club, Bidvest Wits. So that's how they got to the Premier League. And yet, trouble often follows when it comes to money. Seven months later, their CEO was accused of stealing $2 million. Uh, The team was in last place and has now been sold to a pharmaceutical consortium. The team name is expected to change. Selfishly, I hope it's something a little bit easier to pronounce, but they uh, it looks like the intention is to at least keep them there in the Limpopo province. Uh, last year, they did a little bit better than they're doing right now. They were in uh, 10th place. Uh, they beat league-leading Mamlody Sundowns 0-0 and then on penalty kicks in the semifinals, so they do have some juice in them. Uh, they have won just three of their last five matches, uh, and they just beat uh, Kaiser Chiefs, not only a, a slightly above-average South African team, but a pretty darn good indie band as well, in my opinion. I am not music new. Uh, let's see here. Right now they sit in 14th place out of the 16, so just one spot uh, above safety, right on the door of the relegation zone. And uh, statistically, 
who knows? They could still be going down. They do have the worst offense going in the league, uh, tied for number 13 on defense, second worst goal differential. They're where they belong, quite frankly, as far as league play. Uh, one guy, I had a little bit of trouble finding stuff on their rosters. Uh, one guy who I think might be their leading scorer is Alfred uh, Endengane, uh, which is fun because he's actually a defender, veteran, box-to-box player, apparently. And uh, he'll have a little bit of a home field advantage for himself personally as he spent the heart of his career here playing for Bloemfontein Celtic. Meanwhile, Chippa United, which is named for its owner. Here's another name I'm going to have maybe even a harder time with, even though it's shorter. They are from the town of Berga. I hope the, the tongue click or throat click, which I'm, I'm sure I'm not doing right, was at least evident there. Evident there. Berga. It was Port Elizabeth, uh, but they're changing uh, the names in a lot of places in South Africa uh, to more local language names. This was Port Elizabeth just until February. But that's your new name. Um, it is spelled in romanization, by the way, GQ for the tongue click, E-B-E-R-H-A. In any case, it's in the southeast part of the country, in the East Cape uh, province, uh, setting of about a million. They're also known as the Chili Boys. I'm not sure what exactly that means. C-H-I-L-L-I doesn't seem to necessarily be cold or about the food. I'm just not sure. In any case, they were founded in 2010, and then they won the second division the very next year. Uh, 2015-16 was probably their best league finish. They uh, finished in the top half, number six. Last year, 11th place. They had a little bit easier time, presumably, in the semifinal. They got to face a Division II club, Pretoria Callies, and they beat them uh, nil one uh, They are 3-1-1 one, one in their last five games and have won two in a row, believe it or not. Uh, they are in 15th place, which is why being on any kind of win streak is surprising. They are in a relegation spot, relegation playoff more specifically in the league. They get to play a second division club for the right to stay up if the season ended today. Uh, Their leading scorer, again, I had trouble finding things relating to the roster, but I think it is a Cameroonian player named Evanga, and you would have to be a really serious Portuguese fan to recognize his name from anywhere else. He spent some time with a couple of clubs in the second division, and then some time even below that, maybe even all the way down in the regional leagues. Match number four. The NWSL Challenge Cup final is also a Saturday match. That's the top women's league here in the U.S. And the Challenge Cup, they started it last year as a part of trying to get everything in with COVID. Maybe they were planning to do it otherwise, but I don't think so. But in any case... It is uh, essentially a preseason tournament. It's uh, They divide the 10 teams into five team divisions, east and west. They play a single round robin and then a championship game. And that championship game is the New Jersey, New York, Gotham City FC versus Portland Thorns. Uh, let's see, Gotham City, they are also known as the Bees, stylized as... B-E-E-Z. There doesn't seem to be a letter B anywhere in their name, and their colors are not B-oriented, so I'm not sure what the deal with that is, but perhaps you can let me know at Twitter, Soccer Noob USA on there. Uh, this is the team, if you're not, if you're a little bit familiar with the league, but don't recognize that name, it's because it's a rebranding. It's the same club, but they were known as Sky Blue FC. Uh, last year, they finished in a very abbreviated regular season in fourth place, and that's tied for the best that the team's ever done. Uh, Now, as far as the playoffs in 2013, they did make the semifinals. This year, 
They are 2-2-0. Two, two Their last two games were nil-nil draws. Uh, the offense has been pretty middling, as you might imagine, but they've got tied for the best defense out there in the East. And uh, these guys are no slouches, or gals, I should say. Excuse me. They beat the North Carolina Courage, a real powerhouse of a team, uh, by one point in the East table. I'm not sure about the pronunciation. I thought it was Dabinia, but the NHA, I'm not sure of. In any case, their best offensive all-around player has been her. She is a Brazilian forward, quite the little spark plug, just five feet two inches tall. Uh, she played for the aforementioned uh, North Carolina Courage from 2017 through 20, and she has earned over 100 caps for uh, the Brazilian women's national team over the last decade. Meanwhile, certainly your favorites, the Portland Thorns. Uh, they've won the playoffs twice, uh, most recently 2017. They also had the best record and won the Supporters' Shield last year. Um, let's see. They have gone 3-1-0 and in the Challenge Cup this year and also got a draw in their last match. So neither of these teams is entering in exactly lightning hot, and yet it's hard to say only having played four games total. They did win the West somewhat handily. They beat O.L. Reign, formerly Seattle Reign, by three points. Uh, number one offense tied for the best defense out West. And I think the gal who's going to win it for them, stand on her head, is goalkeeper Adriana Franch. Match number five. Our final Saturday match takes us to the Serie A of Italy. This is the number three rated league in UEFA currently. That's up one from a year ago. They just passed the German Bundesliga in that regard. As such, uh, they max out. They get four Champions League group stage berths, two Europa League group stage berths as well this year, and then uh, one ECL playoff round berths. Uh, congratulations to Internacional. They are the champions, won the league by quite a bit, but there's still plenty of drama here. Uh, there are really four or maybe five teams uh, left alive for the other three Champions League berths, which is always the goal. Tied, all at 69 points on the table. Atalanta, Juventus, and Milan. Uh, they're only separated by goal differential. Atalanta lead uh, Juventus by a little, and then Milan is a fair bit behind. They're not going to win any tiebreakers in that regard. Napoli is only two points back, and Roma only three more points behind them. And again, just four matches left in the season. Uh, the one we're going to focus on this week is number three, Juventus, taking on number four, Milan. Uh, Juventus got a road win in their only other pl league play this season. They won one to three at Milan. Juventus, they are rated as uh, the fourth place team in UEFA, tie, UEFA tied for that. Uh, they've got two Champions League titles historically, but they haven't won since 1995-1996. 36 league titles historically, and they have won nine times in a row. They are the defending champions for almost a decade. Despite the fact that they have league leader Cristiano Ronaldo, their bread gets buttered even a little bit more on defense. They have the second best in the league, still a top four offense overall. Um, I won't tell you a lot about Cristiano Ronaldo because even our uh, newer fan, new, more noob listeners, if you will, will certainly be familiar with his name. In instances like this, I like to look at who is setting him up? Tied for number one assists, a new name for you to know, Juan Cadrado. He is a Colombian, plays a lot of winger, and does do some fullback, probably box-to-box. -box. He tends to be offensively oriented. And if you catch this game on TV, he is very easy to spot. He's one of the few traditional right wingers left in the game. He sticks very hard to that right flank on offense. He's very direct, willing to always dribble the ball all the way down to the end line, and likes to send in a lot of balls. Chelsea had the rights to him for a couple of years, but they always loaned him here. And then he spent most of his senior career uh, sort of climbing the Serie A ladder, getting to better and better teams. 
And then, as I mentioned, defense, the main man behind the goal, uh, Polish national team player Wojciech Szanszde. Arsenal had the rights to him for, goodness, the better part of a decade, 2009 through 17, but they always loaned him out to uh, current and perhaps soon to be promoted Brentford of the uh, English Champions League or to Roma here in Italy. Uh, he's earned over 50 national team caps in his career for Poland since 2009. I suspect that he has not been the starting goalkeeper in more recent years. And then Milan. A lot of international history on their side. They won the uh, FIFA Club World Cup back in 2007. They've got seven Champions League titles to their credit. The last one is uh, the year, basically, that they won the FCWC, the 2006-2007 season. They themselves have won 18 league titles, but not for a decade. They were the last team, I believe, to uh, hold it besides Juventus. Uh, last year, they finished just sixth in the table. Uh, they're right about where they should be statistically. Uh, number five offense and defense in the league. Very tough and close games. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, top 10 league scorer. The ageless lion wonder. He is uh, still with them. Now, on the assist leaderboard, a name you're less likely to know, but a guy to look for in the box score, is German-born Turkish player Hakan Chalhano. Uh, he's an attacking midfielder, and up until coming over to uh, this club in Italy, he has been with uh, all uh, Bundesliga clubs before. And then they have the number two goalkeeper in the league statistically, Gianluigi Donnarumma. And he's a very, very young fellow, so his name is less likely to be known to newer fans. 22 years old. His uh, short senior career so far has been spent entirely with this club, and he's already got 25 national team appearances for Italy. And uh, his big thing that I like, obviously, like all goalkeepers, he's very tall, athletic, you know, good in the air, controls the box typically. But what they've been saying about him really since he was in his late teens is his composure is impressive for somebody so young. So he'd be very interesting to keep an eye on even when things are only just starting to develop on uh, the other team's offensive side of the field. And then we have a USA connection. Uh, 20-year-old midfielder Weston McKenney is on the roster over there. He was with uh, Schalke 04 in the German Bundesliga earlier this season, uh, but he got loaned out for much of the year, and then that move became permanent in March, which pretty smart move for Schalke because uh, they are mathematically relegated and are uh, far and away the worst top-flight team in uh, Germany right now, so they've been slated to go down to the second Bundesliga for some time. And he, uh, McKinney, has been with uh, USMNT since he was 18 years old. Very impressive. Ah, uh, yes, person noobs imitation of our kitties. That for some reason, has come to signify that it's time to take a break from our tracking of the coming week's matches and do what we purport to do in our show's name, and that is actually track. Let's get into the recap of last week's featured track matches. Match number one was a Friday match from the AFC Champions League, the last match of the group stage there. Uh, all Duhail took on All Ali, and uh, it was a 1-1 draw. Uh, Michael Alunga, who we said to look out for, had a goal for Duhail. As it turns out, neither of these teams are going to end up advancing. Sorry about that. Saturday match, the Austrian FA Cup final was between LASK and RB Salzburg. And uh, the favorites, Salzburg, got the win. Nil three. Interestingly, their superstar, Pat Sadaka, actually missed a penalty. And American Brendan Aronson had a goal. Match number three, we went to the Welsh Premier League. Connors Quay versus TNS. Where Connors Quay led by two. The result was a nil-nil draw. So things are still status quo there. Match number four, 
the Gibraltar National League. Uh, second place, Lincoln Red Imps took on number one Europa and Europa rather, and it was the Lincoln Red Imps winning 3-1. The two teams are now tied on points and goal differential, so it's going to be quite a race. Uh, Europa right now still holds the lead on some sort of tiebreaker, but I'm unsure of what that is. I think it might be head-to-head -head advantage overall, but take that with a grain of salt. Sunday, match number five, we went to the UEFA Women's Champions League for a semifinal leg number two between Barcelona and PSG. The first leg had gone to a 1-1 draw. The Spanish ladies won 2-1 on their own turf in the return leg here, so they win 3-2 on aggregate and will advance to face Chelsea in the final. Uh, Lique Martins had a brace of goals. Match number six was the Polish FA Cup final. Uh, it was Rakow Czesnohova taking Arka uh, Gdynia, and it was Czesnohova winning 2-1. They got two goals in the last 10 minutes to win, and a player we said to look for, one man named, man named Evie, what had the equalizer. Match number seven, we went to the Russian Premier League for Zenit. Zenit, rather, take on, taking on Locomotive, two of the powerhouses there. It only one looked like a powerhouse for this one. Uh, Zenit won 6-1. to one. Uh, It was a possibility for our route of the week, had we known. Guy we said to look for, Sardar Osmond had a hat trick of goals. And congratulations to Zenit St. Petersburg. This gives them the league crown in Russia. Match number eight, we went to the Andorran Primera Divisio, the second-to-last rated league in all UEFA for number one in Interclub de Escaldes taking on second place uh, St. Julia. And uh, there was no result. The game, it turns out, was either moved or I had misinformation. It's going to be held on May 23rd. Monday, match number nine was the Hungarian FA Cup final. Fehervar taking on Uipest. And it was an Uipest win, nil to one. They got their winning goal and added extra time in the 101st minute. And perhaps it was destined to be uh, Fehervar lost two players. They were down two men because of two second yellows to red cards in the 90th minute and then the 97th minute. Uh, this was Uiju Pest's uh, only shot at European competition, so they really needed it. Congratulations. Match number 10. We went to Romania's Liga 1 for number 1 FCSB, taking on second place Cluj, and the result was a 1-1 draw. Uh, Cluj got the equalizer in uh, extra time, 90 plus 3. They continue to lead in the table by two points as the season winds down. Now let's get into the three bonus matches explanations for our newest listeners coming for this a little bit later on our route of the week candidate match that you voted it was a Thursday match from the Uzbek Super League it was last place Turan taking on number one Pakt and amazingly although not for the first time Pak Tekor, the number one team did not win in the route of the week they uh, they got held to a 1-1 draw uh, so AGMK has two matches in hand and might still be in position to win this league and get back to the Champions League again. Uh, the most meaningless match in the world was a Friday match from French Guiana's Honor Division, where we had Arc NCL taking on uh, Le Geldar. Uh, that match appears to have been postponed and is now going to, uh, they were already planning to play once more on May 13th, and so technically the makeup game will be all the way in June, I believe, on uh, the 19th. And then finally, our match of Disappointed, we went to the Welsh Premier League once again for number 12, Kevin Druid, taking on number 11, Flint Town. And it was another one that could have been a route of the week. I mean, Kevin Druids have been bad, but good Lord Almighty, Flint beat them nil six. 
Uh, second yellow red cards were the problem again. There were two of them for uh, Kefin at the 53rd and 69th minutes. Player was had to look out for it. Josh Amos had a hat trick. And now Flintown United climbed two points out of the relegation zone. Not so disappointing after all, with just two matches to go in league play. And that concludes last week's 10 to track recap. Now let's get back to our current week's tracking with... Match number six. And now the first of our Sunday matches takes us to the Superliga of Denmark. This is a league that's rated number 14 in UEFA. That's a down one from a year ago. They got passed by a fast-rising the last couple of years, Scotland. Uh, they still get two Champions League berths, although neither of those clubs will get to start in the group stage. A couple of uh, ECL berths as well. Just four matches left in the season, so things are getting tight. And, by the way, you can catch this one on ESPN Plus at noontime Eastern, should the spirit move you to do so. Uh, Longer-time listeners of this show will recognize this particular matchup, just the home and visiting teams have been switched. It is uh, number B, uh, Brondby, versus number one currently, Michulan. Here's how things stand. Michulan lead in the table by four. Uh, Brondby, in turn, lead Copenhagen by four. So it's really looking like this is going to be a uh, two-horse race for the title. Uh, Michelin have had the uh, best of it. They have played three times so far this season. Uh, they won 1-0 and then 2-3 on the road in the uh, regular or first season phase, if you will. And now here in the championship round, after the league is subdivided into that and relegation rounds, they won one nothing in Michelin. And rather than give you a, another preview that's going to uh, go over uh, ground that's already reasonably covered, uh, once per podcast, I typically like to do something uh, semi-random and food-oriented. Uh, like to learn about soccer, but I also love to learn about various aspects of culture, politics, and geography through the lens of soccer. Uh, so let's look at some uh, traditional or maybe new and not so traditional cuisine uh, that's from each of these areas. We'll start with Bronby, the home side. Um, both of these teams, uh, this is in the Copenhagen region, by the way, and uh, very popular there is something called the New Nordic Cuisine. Uh, it tends to focus very much on uh, locally produced ingredients and even more specifically seasonal ingredients. They want everything to be very, very fresh. Uh, there's an excellent restaurant that one major organization has named like the best restaurant in the world five or six times within the within the last decade called Noma. And uh, one of the things that looked particularly good on their menu to me that you can try um, is, uh, and it didn't seem to have a name attached to it. It simply is what it is. Uh, it's fried bacon, uh, very, very thin from the particular picture I saw of it prepared. And then it is garnished with something called uh, Ramson's, uh, which might be more co colloquially known, depending on where you are, as bear's garlic, and then grilled cucumbers. So if you like your food a little bit fancy, or at least fancy looking, but you still want your bacon fix, that could be an interesting, th interesting thing to try to make a version of. Now, Michelin, they're in the central part of uh, Jutland, sort of the main body, if you will, part of the, the mainland part of Denmark. And one of the uh, great traditional foods from Jutland is something called mock hare. And I don't know if that literally means fake rabbit or if it's a, a, a re or mispronunciation of something else. The actual uh, 
Danish word for it is forloren. It is a meatloaf, and it is tender. It is made out of half pork and then half specifically ground calf, and it too is wrapped in crispy bacon, but what really makes this, from what I've read, is you serve it with a brown gravy, but then you sweeten that gravy with a red currant jam, and then for some more consistency, comfort food type stuff, you uh, throw in some boiled or some mashed potatoes. So enjoy your non-soccer mid-pre- your non-soccer uh, mini preview of food stuff. Yeah, that works. Match number seven. Our lucky number match sees us off to Germany to the Frauen Bundesliga, the ladies' side of the ball. Uh, in women's football, this is the number two rated league in UEFA behind France, as you might expect. Uh, they get one Champions League group stage berth and then two other berths as well into the second and first qualifying rounds. There are only three matches left in the season, and I couldn't say no to this one because it looks like there may well be a changing of the guard, but this game's probably going to decide it all. It is second place VFL Wolfsburg versus number one Bayern Munich. Right now, it is Bayern leading by two points, and they won the match at home this season between the two, four to one. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the reigning champs, Wolfsburg, first. Uh, first, a little bit about the city, just because I didn't know the particulars. It's not that big a city, only about 125,000, but it is uh, the richest city in Germany as far as per capita income uh, due to the auto industry. It's very, very strong right there in Wolfsburg. Uh, they have won six league titles. Four of them have been the last four straight titles. They've been the German powerhouse. Uh, they've won the Champions League title twice, uh, 2013-14, before uh, Lyon over in France started their big run. Uh, they were the runners-up last year, in fact. This year, they only made it to the quarterfinals. They got upset by uh, Chelsea. English, English clubs have really been up and coming for women's football. Uh, but domestically, 10 straight league wins. They are still in pretty darn good form. Second best offense, defense, and goal differential in the league. And uh, the lady who could be key to them uh, defending their title once again, their uh, best scorer is number five in the league, uh, Janet Jakobfi. She is Hungarian, a second striker, sort of midfielder, tends, tends to play behind a true striker. Uh, meanwhile, Bayern Munich looking to take the crown from them. They have won the league title three different times, 2015-16 uh, the last time. Last year, they were runners-up to Wolfsburg, looking to flip the script on that this time. Uh, let's see, uh, their best Champions League finish, uh, that was three years ago. They made the semifinals. They've never won it. Uh, they just lost in the Champions League group stage recently. Uh, they had a big lead over Chelsea uh, and then lost 1-4 to four on the road to blow their lead. And now Chelsea have made it all the way to the final of that tournament. They have won four of their last five league games. On offense, they're just about unstoppable. They are almost scoring four times per match on average. They've got the second best defense. They and Wolfsburg are both the two that let in less than one goal every other game. Uh, number three league-leading scorer is theirs to boast, Leia Schuler. She's only just 23 years old, uh, but she's been in the uh, Frauen Bundesliga the last six years. Uh, she was with more of a mid-table club, Essen. Match number eight. And that concluded our weekend's matches. You get a couple days off from the tracking to rest, recuperate. Remember, peanuts and Gatorade new bites. Uh, good for tracking and lots of other uh, activities when it comes to recovery. Match number eight. This is one of the uh, fun ones, even though I don't have as much information on it. It's one of the big reasons that I love doing this podcast. I'm willing to go to 
any federation, any domestic hop flight in the world looking for where the best races are. And it doesn't matter whether it's a big or small confederation or league. To that end, your eighth match, we're headed to Uganda, their premier league. Uh, this is the number 20 rated league in the CAF. That is down two spots from a year ago. Uh, like all the leagues outside of the top 12, they get just one Champions League berth and then one Confederation Cup berth. That is their version of Europa League, the secondary international tournament there. And they're about two-thirds of the way through the season. The matchup is number B, Vipers, versus number one, URA. And it is a tight one. URA lead by just one point in the table. And then Vipers in turn lead number three Express by three points. So uh, we're going to have at least a three-team race, it looks like, to the very end. URA won the home match in this series for the season. Two to one. Time to see if Vipers can uh, defend their own home turf. A little bit about them first. They play out of the village or town of Kitende in the Wakiso district, which is uh, near the capital of Kampala. Uh, team's been around since 1969. They've only been playing in the Premier League, though, since 2006. 2018-19, uh, I think that might have been the only time that they went to the Champions League, and they were just one round shy of the group stage. Uh, four league titles to their credit, and they are sort of the defending champions. It wasn't official last year, but they were number one uh, when the season was uh, stopped because of COVID. So they had an abbreviated season. Uh, two matches ago, the reason they're not number one is they lost uh, nil one at home to number three Express. But they did bounce back with a win against uh, MYDA, which is pretty near the bottom of the table. They uh, average over two goals per game, which is good for being uh, tied for the number one offense in the league. They've got the second best defense, and they are tough in tight spots. They just have uh, tied for the fourth best goal differential. Meanwhile, URA, this is like rooting for a team that uh, I've seen a lot of army teams and government agencies, but this one, URA, is the uh, Ugandan Revenue Authority, so it's like rooting for the IRS kind of strange to me. In any case, they do actually play right in the capital city of Kampala. They were founded in 1997 and have been playing Premier League since 2002. They've been to the Champions League more than once, but they've never uh, been past the first round. They've won four league titles, but it has been exactly a decade since the last one. They are 2-2-1 two, two, and one in their last five, and uh, the loss in there was in the FA Cup, not in league play. So league play, they've been on a pretty good run. They lost to Express, oddly enough, that name coming up again. They've only got the fifth best offense. The defense is where they excel second best, and they are the ones with whom the other team is tied for having the fourth best goal differential. Now, you could say to yourself, self, I don't know a whole lot more about the race in Uganda or Ugandan football than I did before. But you know what? You know a little bit, and that's probably more than anybody else you know. Match number nine. So that is the last of our first versus second place and other big league matchups for this podcast episode. Our last official match of the ten uh, yes, we'll still have our three bonus matches to go after that, is going to be yet another FA Cup match. And it's not even going to be a final. I could have filled four episodes with everything I wanted to do this episode. So we're going to do something unique here with uh, the slot for match number nine. I want to acknowledge and encourage you to look up and follow any or all of these FA Cup finals around Europe and the globe that might interest you for uh, geographic or any other reasons whatsoever. So... The management, let's cue the dramatic music. Here are your FA Cup Finals finalists that didn't make the cut for the 10 to track. Friday, 
Finland. Wednesday, Russia, where Division Two side uh, Kirlia Sovatov are one of the two finalists and could be heading into international competition with an upset win. Kosovo. Dukagini is a Division II team and has a chance at European competition if they can win the FA Cup final there. Lebanon. And on Thursday, Denmark. Germany. Ukraine. And finally, the United Arab Emirates President's Cup, their FA Cup, where Shabab Al-Ali and Al Nasser are both just on the outside looking in for possible Champions League berths. You're all talented and beautiful, but this time of year in particular, not everyone can win a place in the 10-to-track pageant. Hey, at least we didn't make you all parade around in swimwear. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! And so, pray tell, what FA Cup match in the world could possibly outweigh all those beautiful, darling FA Cup finals? Well, we're headed to the Coupe de France, that is France's FA Cup, where the winners are going to get to go to the Europa League group stage, but not the winner of this game. This is only a semi-final, in fact. But I didn't want to wait for a final to give some love to a team from all the way down in the fourth level of the French Pyramid. They have nearly gotten to the pinnacle, a semifinal. Uh, this is GFA Rumili Valier, and they are taking on AS Monaco. And yes, I had to pronounce that several times, even after writing it out phonetically. I probably still got it a little bit wrong, but there you go. They're from the fourth level, and unless they win this game, probably never to be uttered again on the podcast necessarily, even though it is a beautiful French name. Just amazing that they've been able to do some giant slaying and get this far. So let's talk about them a little bit. Uh, this is They are from the fourth division, again, as I mentioned, of the French football pyramid. That league is called the Championnat National 2. And in fact, this isn't even a league that's uh, national in scope. This is one of four regional leagues that all carry that CN2 uh, moniker. That said, the club's been around since 1932. And the reason they're in such a small league, well, they're in a very, very small place. Uh, they're in the village of Rumili in the department of Haute-Savoie. And uh, the region might be more better known to you potentially is Auvergne-Alpes. The village itself has only maybe 20,000 people, very, very touristy. It's uh, The department itself is pretty much right on the border with both France and Italy, to give you some idea geographically. Now, if there's any chance this name rings a bell to you, it's because uh, the villager town of uh, Chamonix is nearby, and they were the host of the first ever Winter Olympics all the way back in 1924. Uh, the entrance to the Mont Blanc Tunnel that goes to Italy is over here. Uh, the team isn't even having a very good league season, to be honest. They're only in 11th place out of 16, eighth best offense there. They really struggle on defense for 11th best. Uh, last year, they won uh, the Champion National 3. Again, this is the highest they've ever even been in the league pyramid system. Uh, they've won one of their last two league matches. They've obviously been having a ton of success in the FA Cup, or we wouldn't be talking about them. And the most recent giant that they got to slay was League 2's Toulouse. 
T-O-U-L-O-U-S-E. I'm not, I mean, I'm hoping they'll lose because it's fun to root for an underdog, but that's the name of uh, the club. And League One fans will be familiar with them. This is a team that uh, doesn't compete for the title, but has been in League One quite a bit in recent years. Uh, they have gotten, uh, had some luck on their side. They do a random draw every round to determine where these teams are going to play. And uh, Rooney have gotten to play five of their six FA Cup matches at home. And twice they've had to win on penalty kicks. Both of them went to 6-5. So crossing our fingers, which doesn't really work for radio or podcasts, but there you have it, that this team can pull the upset. Nothing against AS Monaco, which is the number 37 uh, ranked club in all of UEFA. Uh, this is the sort of powerhouse rumor you're going to be up against. Uh, Monaco, oh, Let's look at the resume. Champions League runners-up back in 2003-2004. Eight League One titles, most recently in 2016-17, before they had to kind of fire sale off a bunch of players. They've struggled a little bit since then, and they're just starting to come back, really. Uh, they have won this tournament five different times, although not since 1990-91. Uh, they had a very tough opponent in the quarterfinals to get to this. They beat uh, Lyon uh, nil-two on the road. They have yet to allow a goal in any of their matches in the Coupe de France. Good good luck with that, Rumley. I think you're going to be overmatched. Uh, right now, they are in third place in League One and in line to uh, get a Champions League spot in the third qualifying round. They trail PSG right now by four, and they lead uh, fourth place Lyon by one. Even the number four team goes to the Europa League group stage. Now, that's uh, that all plays into the fact this is the only hope I think a team like Rumley really has against a team of this caliber. There's very little to no chance that AS Monaco isn't at least going to qualify for the Europa League, and obviously they want to get to the Champions League. Plus, historically, the Coupe de France, there's even been talk of canceling it. It isn't that big a deal even compared to other FA Cups in other major European countries. They have a hard time selling tickets. They don't get a lot of eyeballs on it for TV, although this match might since you've got such a big underdog. But the point all being, I wonder and sort of hope, AS Monaco might rest a lot of their starters for this, not be quite as worried about this particular trophy as they are getting to Champions League. So they rest their starters, save them for league play. Uh, in League One, they've got the number three offense, the number four defense working. Uh, players to look for, tied for number two in league scoring there, is Memphis uh, Depier. Uh, he is Dutch, a forward. He's uh, done some play for a Man United and uh, in his home country of the Netherlands powerhouse, PSV Eindhoven. Uh, he released his debut hip-hop album last year. So if you if you like tight beats, you might already know Memphis uh, uh, Depay. I think I mispronounced it the first time and certainly don't want to do that. Uh, also, something else pop cultural he's known for, he was at one time engaged to Steve Harvey. Yes, the comedian, perhaps most recently famous for hosting The Family Feud. Steve Harvey's daughter, Lori, was engaged to him for a while, though my understanding is that is off. Good luck to you, kids. Um, on the assist leaderboard for League One is Alexander Golovin. He is a Russian attacking midfielder, 24 years old. Uh, he was with CSKA Moscow for the four years before he came over uh, to Monaco three seasons ago. And then uh, tied for number four in goalkeeping, the guy who's really been getting it done in the FA Cup, Benjamin uh, Lecomte, uh, Frenchman. He is 30 years old, and he has spent his entire career with League One. Again, AS Monaco, good luck to you. Hope you don't have any injuries. Play all your reserves. Let's let Rumeli have a final. Wouldn't that be great?
And that does conclude the quote-unquote official portion of the 10 to track. We don't believe in math that much here. We still have our super fun three bonus matches to go. And our first one is one that we like to call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. Yes, you voted on the Twitter polls for matches to be covered in these various slots. The first one is a first versus last place matchup from somewhere on the planet. The route of the week. By the way, uh, on Twitter, Soccer Noob USA, thank you very much for finding me there to chat soccer and or to vote in the polls. Our route of the week candidate match that you have voted in is a Saturday match. We head to Luxembourg's National Division. This is the number 35 rated league in UEFA, down one from a year ago. Got passed by Mighty Mighty Lithuania. Uh, just four or five matches to go left in the season, depending on which of the clubs you're looking at. Uh, they get the minimum, one Champions League and three ECL berths. Four teams are going to get relegated this year, so the last place team is going to be in real trouble. Uh, let's see. And your matchup is last place, number 16, FC Etzella Edelbrook, which I'm still convinced is the name of uh, a minor character from the Golden Girls television show, versus number one, CS Fola Esch. Uh, it's a really tight race, so Fola Esh, you're not going to be taking it easy on their opponents today. They lead two teams by just one point. Meanwhile, at Zeta Edelbrook, they are nine points from safety, so they are not mathematically relegated yet, but it is getting really darn close, and today it's probably not going to help their cause even though they're at home because someone's going to get their butts kicked. Their Edelbutts kicked. Edelbrook, Edelbutts. That oh, was funnier in my head. That's okay. Let's learn a little bit about them. Edzella Edelbrook. Uh, Edelbrook is a little village, maybe about 10,000. Uh, if you're familiar with the town, you might be a history buff. This is one that was liberated by uh, General Patton on World War II. Christmas Day, uh, there is a square and a museum both there, named there for General Patton. They have been to the Europa League six different times, although most recently it was just 2007-2008. Uh, the 6-7 season, they finished runner-up in the league, and that is the best they have ever done. They've never gotten the title. Uh, they were in 10th place last year. This year, they are having a woeful time of it. That's how you end up in the Route of the Week match. They have not won a match since February 28th. They're 0-2-3 in their last five, and they only have two victories on the year. Number three, not likely coming against... Fola Esh. Worst offense in the league by far. They only score an average of a goal uh, three every four games. Their defense, not a lot better. They're tied for number 13 in that regard. What very little strength in hope they have probably rests at the feet of best all-around player Patrick Stumpf, a veteran, 33 out of journey and midfielder. I believe he's got four goals on the season. Meanwhile, your victors in waiting, certainly Fola Esh. Uh, they are out of the town of Esh sur Alzette. That is the second largest town in Luxembourg, about 35,000, southwest part of the country. Uh, they've been to the Champions League several times, but they've never won a single time. They're not a single match. 2017-18 uh, in the Europa League, they actually won two games and got to the third qualifying round. That's the best they've ever done. Uh, in UEFA, this is a club that doesn't even probably crack the top 300. But by gosh, that just makes it all the more imperative that somebody talks about them. 
Team Noob, we are happy to do our services here. They have won the league title there seven times, most recently in 2014-15. They are the defending champions. Uh, number one offense, that's what's working for them. Defense is top four. Goal differential is also number one because the offense is so good. And why? Well, you can thank Zachary Haji. He is a Frenchman, an attacker, just 24 years old. And he has, I had to double check this, 26 goals on the season. Like, you basically one per match. Just incredible what you can do sometime at a league level like this. One wonders if he might move up to somewhere a little bit larger before too long. The noob prediction for this match, as I do for every single route of the week, I always assume it is going to be a 5-0 or 0-5 win. Uh, no change for that here, and I believe that four of the goals before they pull them are all going to be scored by Zachary Haji. Our second bonus match is one that every week I believe truly sets this podcast apart from any other that you're listening to. Most shows spend time, and understandably, on the best teams from uh, usually the biggest leagues. Occasionally, we'll even talk about teams that get relegated. But what other podcasts, I ask you, have the heart, will take the time to shine a light on two teams facing off that are both right smack dab in the middle of their league tables, equidistant from both international berths and trophies, or relegation, the dangers of getting kicked out of the league. It is a match truly worthy of song. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. And yes, with apologies to Prince, this is the most meaningless match in the world. The one you've selected is a Saturday match from Panama's LPF, the top flight there. Uh, this is most likely the fifth best league in all of CONCACAF. Uh, Costa Rica and Honduras are generally considered to be uh, stronger ones. Uh, the stage winners and the team that doesn't win a stage but has the best aggregate record uh, gets to go on to the CONCACAF League next year, which is a feeder tournament to the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, this is the Apertura, which is the first of the two stages of their soccer year. They have Apertura and Clausura stages or seasons where they play single round robins. Again, this is the last match. Uh, in terms of the league play and playoffs specifically, the group winners are each going to get to advance all the way to the league semifinals. And then the next two teams in each of the two groups, it's divided into East and West, uh, will also get to go into the first round of the playoffs. And I don't think they have relegation. And... Here are your teams that seem the safest from having to play in the playoffs or being distinguished as the worst teams in their league. Uh, from the East, number five, Arabe Unido versus East's number four, Sporting San Miguelito. Uh, SSM, uh, San Miguelito, they're actually tied with two other teams, and then they lead uh, Arabe by two points in the table. A little bit about each. Arabe Unidu, they play out of the city of Cologne, which is a north central port city that I didn't know this, even though I'd heard of Cologne, of course, founded by the U.S. Uh, the city was created back in the mid-19th century to facilitate uh, trade uh, during the California gold rush years. Uh, currently, it's got about a quarter million in the metro area. It's the second biggest area in the country. Uh, the club nickname, they are known as the Arabs because they were founded by Arab immigrants there. Uh, the team has five CONCACAF Champions League appearances to their credit, and they've gone as far as the quarterfinals three different times. Uh, last time was 2016-17. Uh, in 2017 and 18, they made the CONCACAF League semifinals. So they haven't gotten uh, to win that trophy, but they've gotten close. 
They've got 13 league titles to their credit. I believe the last time they won one was the Apertura of 2016. Uh, they're not in great form, to be honest. They've lost their last three matches. And in fact, they haven't won a match since March 4. Uh, this is the weaker of the two divisions. The West is stronger. They've got In this division, they've got the second best offense and the third best defense. So a little bit above average, but overall for the league, they're uh, way, way down. Uh, best scorer on the team is Shamel Asprella. He's a midfielder, just 22 years old. His brief senior career, he has been with this club entirely. Uh, entirely. It'll be interesting to see at that young age doing this well, if he can move on uh, to maybe uh, one of the bigger Central American clubs or even uh, something in Liga MX. In any case, San Miguelico, uh, Miguelito, your challengers. That is a city that's in the west-southwest part of the country, about 375,000. And uh, it's mainly so big because it is entirely enclaved by the Panama City District. So it's part of the Panama City metro area and yet still retains its own corporate hood. I believe... I found some weird information. I think they've only ever won two league titles. Most recent appears to have been the 2019 Apertura. Uh, in this group, they've got the second best offense, but just the sixth best defense. They're going to give up a lot of goals to just about everybody. One of the worst defenses overall in the league. On the offensive side, their best overall player is probably attacker Ricardo Clark. Uh, he's bounced in and out of this club. It's his third time around with them. Uh, if his name rings a bell for you, wow, how closely do you follow Portuguese football? He did have a cup of coffee played a few weeks maybe uh, with Boa Vista in the Primeira Liga in the 2017-18 season. And so at last, dearest Nubites, if I may refer to you as such, we've arrived at the true end of our podcast episode road for the week. As always, we don't care to finish on notes of happiness or joy, but rather with wailing and gnashing of teeth. Let there be naught held but scorn for these two sad sack bottom feeder clubs occupying the last two positions in their league table. We bid you adieu here at Team Noob with the match of... Disappointed! Oh, the Herculean scorn from Kevin Sorbo. It never ceases to send shivers down my spine, and perhaps never will. The match of Disappointed, the one you have voted for, is a Tuesday match from the Croatian First Football League. This is the number 18 league in all of UEFA. That's up two from a year ago, passing Switzerland and Greece. Uh, one team is going to get automatically relegated. One of these two uh, absolutely putrid groups of uh, soccer-playing men will actually get to remain in the first division, amazingly. Four matches remain in the season. Which one is going to be the one that goes down and which one will stay up to stink for yet another year, more than likely? Number 10, NK Istra 1961 versus nine, number 9, NK Lokomotiva. Here's how it stands. Istra trail Lokomotiva by just one in the table. Lokomotiva, in turn, trail Varajdin by one. So, hypothetically, both of these teams could even survive to taunt me for staying up and making fun of them for their match of disappointment inclusion. But should they, I will just blame you. You are the one who voted for it. Uh, here's how things have gone between these two this year. This is going to be the fourth time they've played. Uh, Istria won 3-1 at their place. Uh, they won 0-1 on the road. And Lokomotiva did get a 0-0 draw uh, one of the two times they played her on their own place. 
Istria, learning a little bit about them. They are out of the city of Pula, which is on the north, the northwest part of the country, the very tip of the Istrian Peninsula. It's only eighth biggest city in the country, uh, about the size of oh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, a little over 100,000 in the metro area. Uh, that said, uh, architecture uh, fans will uh, know this city well, more than likely, as it is uh, flush with ancient Roman era buildings, especially one particular amphitheater. And in fact, I think that that one is the one that is featured on their crest. It has what appears to be a Colosseum or amphitheater, and then it's got a uh, soccer ball nestled right into it. It's really kind of cool. Uh, we had a almost USA connection with this one. An American investment group used to own this club. They only had it for a few years, 2015 through 18, and then they sold it to a consortium of Basque area interests, uh, a group of them. Uh, this team has only been in Division One since 2005, and even since 2005, there was known as a yo-yo team. They very much go up and down, so it's not, it's almost not fair to make fun of them and include them in the match of disappointed and treat them so harshly. This is just sort of the space they occupy. But you know what? If you don't want it, get worse or get better, guys. In any case, their best finish in the league is only number six. They've never finished in the top half. They've done that three times, most recently in 2016-17. Last year, they were only in ninth place. Their current form, they are 0-3-1 in their last four. Uh, they haven't beaten anybody since that 0-1 win at Lokomotiva. Uh, the offense is the real problem. They only get a goal uh, every three out of every four games on average. Uh, best all-around player is probably uh, Shime Gerzan. I hope I'm getting the last name right, G-R-Z-A-N. He is a midfielder with five goals on the season. Meanwhile, coming to town, Lokomotiva, they play out of Zagreb, as several of the clubs there in Croatia do, the capital city. Uh, from 2007 to 2009, this team earned three successive promotions to get up to Division One, and I don't think they've gone down since. The club is actually over a century old, so that's a long time to have waited. Uh, this year, uh, they made their first ever Champions League appearance. Congratulations. Uh, they didn't do too bad, it doesn't look like, at least on paper. They lost to Austria's uh, Rapid Vienna in the second qualifying round, nil one. Uh, then they dropped down to the Europa League and got absolutely whomped at Malmo in Sweden in the third qualifying round, uh, five to nothing. Would have, would have been a fine uh, route of the week candidate match, apparently. Uh, 2016-17 in the Europa League, they actually did win three different rounds to get almost to the group stage. They lost in the, uh, the playoff round, the penultimate game before the group stage. Twice they have been runners-up in this league, but they've never managed to quite win it, including, of course, last year, hence the reason they got to go to the Champions League. Uh, they had been on a real skid and looked like they were for certain the team that was going to go down. They had lost six straight, but they've won two of their last three, so they're gaining a little bit of form trying to climb out of the cellar. Uh, the problem has been the offense. It's the second worst in the league. They, they couldn't score if you walked them up to the net just about. They've got the worst goal differential in the league. It's so bad. Uh, how bad? The, a defender is their leading goal scorer. Uh, Joseph Piverich has four goals, and I don't think anybody on the team has more. I would say good luck to both these teams, but anybody who's listened to this show before knows how I feel about the teams in the match of Disappointed. If you want us rooting for you or sending, sending you our best wishes, somebody has got to do better. You're awful. 
And that'll put a bow on episode 32 of the 10 to Track Weekly World Match Previews Podcast. Thank you very much to Daughter Mine, Person Noob, the true star of the show, I always acknowledge, to the management for his editing and production duties, to Dan the Interno Inferno for all he does, including apparently just staying on fire, and to you, thanks so much for tuning in and finding us. Until next time, have a fabulous footy week. Take care. Hey.